Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by this message from Pastor Charlotte Quist. But today we are talking about who is Jesus eternally. And the whole concept of this situation that we're celebrating today is that this is a big picture deal. This is not about just some sacred holiday for Christians. It's not some time that we just remember something that happened back there. It's the time that we remember to tap into the eternal. It's a time that we, we understand that we're part of something that goes on forever. And so this is really exciting. And what I find exciting about it is whether you don't know God yet, and maybe you need to make that decision today, whether you need to come back to Christ and that needs to happen today, or whether you're doing pretty good, you've been walking with him, but there's just some pieces and places where you're struggling and you could, you could use a next level wake up call. Easter Sunday provides that for us, and the, the eternal picture of who Jesus is provides that for us. John eleven twenty five 25, and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he shall die, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that's the question today. Do you believe this? The fact is when we start talking about the cross, we start talking about Jesus, who he is, we start talking about the resurrection, we start talking about the empty tomb, we start talking about eternity, we are all faced with this question. Do you believe this? And if we do believe this, it really should alter everything about our lives. It's not like, do you believe that popcorn, you know, is tasty? It's not like, do you, you know, do you believe that, that rivers are formed by time or they were formed by God? Or do you, it, it, we're, not, we're not talking about the simple things. We're not talking about the complex things. We're talking about the eternal things. We're talking about, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he came to earth, that he died, that he rose again? And if so, what are we gonna do about that? The word eternal or eternity means having infinite duration, continual, perpetual, and existing at all times. It means that the story of Jesus and the resurrection isn't something from the past, and it's not something that we'll think about in the future. It exists at all times. He exists at all times. So who is Jesus eternally is asking the question, who was Jesus, who is Jesus, who will Jesus be? Big picture, who is he? Why does that matter? Because everything that we do, the places that we live, the decisions that we make, the, the relationships that we have, most of it is temporary. Most of it is right here, right now. And, and some of us straight up panic anytime we go beyond the really obvious. So you sit down with somebody who's like, you know, maybe you go and you talk to a financial planner or a life coach or something like that, and they'll say something like, okay, we need to make some daily goals. We need to set up some annual goals, a five-year plan, long-term 10-year plan so that we can aim towards it. And some of us go into full-on meltdown at that point. What do you, what do you mean a five-year plan? I have, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in five years. Don't try and box me in. Don't try and control me. I'm a, the problem is we are part of an eternal picture. And so yes, we make daily decisions, but we make better daily decisions when we look at them through the eternal lens. So we wanna to go to the eternal lens today and walk through this. First up, talking about the empty tomb, the risen Lord, we just need to understand that he did in fact rise from the dead and this is a very big deal. We know that the case for Christ 
Um, if you haven't seen the movie or read the book, is one of the best explanations. It's the true story of a man, Lee Strobel, who was, him and his wife were fighting about religion, and he thought the best way to solve it was, would just to be to prove to her that it was crazy, that Christianity didn't make any sense. The problem was, once he started digging into it, he found all the proof to the contrary, that absolutely Jesus lived, Absolutely, Jesus died. Absolutely, there was an empty tomb and Jesus rose again. And so he could, he documented that. It's like a cold case kind of thing. So again, if you need to study that a little bit more, it's called the case for Christ. But we know according to the word, 1 Corinthians 15, 6 says that, that uh, Jesus was seen alive for 40 days after we know the, the immediate portions in the gospel talk about the women that saw him, the disciples that saw him. There was the two men that were walking on the road to Emmaus that saw him. There was a group of 500 people at one time that saw him. And so Paul talks about that. And, and Paul said, even the last one, I was the last one, I saw him. And he saw him after Jesus had risen uh, and gone to heaven. He had seen him in this direct encounter. So we know that Jesus rose from the dead. And now we then need to apply this to our lives. So the whole concept of how we're um, kind of attacking Easter this year is what if we didn't know anything? Like starting from what if I don't know anything? What if this is my first Easter? What if this is the first time I'm encountering this story? And the truth is in this church right now, that's true for a lot of people. Isn't that awesome? It's like so exciting. We had a lady um, come and give her life to Christ on Friday who's just been tuning in line the last couple Sundays and watching the Who is Jesus series. And she came on Friday to make sure she made that commitment. That is so cool to me that there is, there is life happening. There's people all over the place that are coming to Christ and this is the first Easter. What, what can happen is over the years, you know, if you've been to 10, 15, 20, 30 Easter services, we can all be like, yes, he's risen. Yes, we know. It should change my life today. It should rock my world today. So we're going to ask a few questions and just navigate um, through the application of, of the concept of what this means. What, so there's a resurrection. So there's an empty tomb. What does it mean? It means everything. It changes everything for us. In fact, the, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is the main dividing factor between Christianity and other religions. It's the one point of difference. Jesus defeated sin and death, period. And so from that place, how does that apply to me? So asking the questions, the first question we're going to ask is, where is Jesus then? If he rose from the dead, where is he? And just to walk through this, I want to give you a scriptural breakdown. We know that the Bible is the inspired word of God. It's a documented um, treatment of what Christianity is, who God is, how he applies to our lives. It's a historical record as well. And so walking through this, we know that according to the Bible, Jesus came from heaven, he lived upon the earth, and he returned to heaven. There was a time period where God engaged our natural reality and brought it into the perspective of the eternal reality. God always was, he will always be, he is not a created being, he created the earth, he always has been. So what we have to work with is our timetable. What we see in the Bible is from the beginning of mankind, we see what it looks like for God to interact with his creation. But he has always been, 
and he will always be. That is mind-blowing. But if you watch the Avengers or any other Marvel series, you are used to spaces and times and stretching your mind. So if you can do it for fiction, you absolutely can do it for truth. There is a real-life reality. The reason that we're drawn to movies that talk about time travel and space and whatever is because in our hearts we know this is not all there is. So we're drawn to the fictional representation of what we feel in our hearts. The real truth is Jesus always has been. So he came from heaven. We know, I'm just going to give you some scripture verses so you can study it yourself again, like you're hearing this for the first time, and maybe you are. John 1, 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, that is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. This matters, this verse is so important because whether you're talking about Jewish history, Christian history, even Muslim history, there's a trace back to Abraham and the sacredness. This is why there's this fight over the Temple Mount and Palestine and all of this stuff. It goes back to whose is it? Jesus said before any of that, I am. I am what? Everything. I am the answer to every question. I am the answer to every, every issue. I am. And so he, he was is is to come john 18 36 to 37 is when jesus is being um questioned just before the crucifixion and and it says jesus answered and he said my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants would fight so that i should not be delivered to the jews but now my kingdom is not from here Pilate therefore said to him are you a king then and jesus said you say rightly that i am a king for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So Jesus was saying that no matter, like, here's the reality. There is a kingdom, there is a, there is a place outside of what you see right in front of us. I know we have to choose to believe this by faith. We're talking about, you know, the, the invisible realm, and yet you know it in your heart. You know it in your spirit. You know that there is life beyond this one. You know that there are questions that need to be asked and answered. And so Jesus said, I'm telling you the truth. If you listen to my voice, you are going to experience the truth. And that truth makes you free. That truth is the liberation. And so we've come through a generation who right now has added the phrase to, to um, you know, our vocabulary that we live our truth. You live your truth and you live your truth. And you live your truth. The problem is, all we've got is a bunch of confusion because nobody's truth matches up with each other's. Jesus is just saying, at the end of the day, my kingdom is outside of this world. And when you, you lay yours over, like overlay your kingdom view over the real kingdom, you need to understand that truth is me. I am the way, the truth, the life. That truth is liberty for us. So we know that Jesus came from heaven. He lived upon the earth. John 16, 28 says, I have come forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. So he came, he lived here for a specific period of time. John 3, 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
It's interesting because if you read John chapter 17, and it's a great read, it's this long prayer that Jesus prays, and he's giving instructions just before the end of his life here on earth, and he prays, and do you know he prays in there, it's 2,000 years ago, he prays for you. He prays for me. You can read what Jesus prayed for you. It's amazing. And he talks about this glory that has been given to him, that he's glorifying the Father, and the, the Father is glorified in him. And he says that now these ones that you've given to me, I pray that you would be glorified in them. And he, he begins to start sharing this, uh, this assignment and this announcement. But he talks about the fact that I have finished, basically between John 14 and John 17, I have finished what I've come here to do. There's an assignment that I had. It's a temporary assignment, and it is done. Jesus lived his entire life. I, I always think it's so interesting that in 33 years, he completed his entire life assignment. Isn't that amazing? I believe part of it, obviously God's timetable, but he was so focused. He didn't waste time. There were times when people came and said, would you do this and would you do that? And he's like, it's not the time for that. Sometimes he met with people, sometimes he didn't, sometimes he went places, sometimes he stayed back, but he was very purposeful in every day. I am going to do only what I'm supposed to do today. Why? Because he was from the eternal picture. He entered into this time zone and he said, with this limited amount of time I've got, I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. Why does this matter? Because it seems supposed to be true for us. So he lived his life upon the earth, and then he returned to heaven. John 14, 2, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Mark 16, 19, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So in the question of who is Jesus, by answering the question, where is Jesus, we get a picture. He's a king from another place who engaged humanity so that we can experience the fullness of the Godhead. Who is Jesus? He is the one who was and is to come. He is the son of God who stepped into earth to ransom us and to make a way for us to be with him. Which brings us to question two then. So what happens when we die? Might as well go after the big dog questions, right? What happens to us when we die? And one of the things that I think is really interesting is I've never had, I've never, none of us have really lived through a season where so many people are concerned about what happens when we die. Like we've never really talked that much about it. We, we've decided that death is something that happens way down the road sometime, you know, and we'll think about it sometime as we start to feel things falling apart. You know, as our teeth start leaving our body and our hair starts leaving our heads, maybe we'll start thinking about what happens after we die. The reality is every one of us, oh, come on now. <laughs> no. <laughs> the word says our outward man is perishing. Just, just, yes. just so you know, it, it happens. I've been fighting it myself, but stuff happens. So uh, we have to look at the eternal picture. We have to begin to ask the question. And this year we've been presented this question, what happens if anybody dies? And so, you know, this time last year when there was the um, introduction of the pandemic and we could see tens of thousands of people die in every province and people were suddenly like, ah, and then they said, well, it mostly only hits, you know, really old people. And so a lot of people who should have been thinking about the eternal picture went, well, I'm under 40. I'm good. No, we are not guaranteed tomorrow on this earth for any reason. We all need to ask this question, what happens when I die? And what's been disappointing to me is, is watching people face it, 
panic, cover up, hide, and say, I'm just not thinking about that. I'm just, I'm just going to, whatever. I don't know what happens when I die, so I'm just going to make sure I don't. It's not the best long-term action plan, really. Um, we need to know what happens when we die. And the fact is, every one of us has a sense on the inside that this lifetime is not all that matters. We know it. We feel it. You, you know instinctively. We, we sometimes get more questions. You know, I remember Billy Graham had, um, had made a public statement because he got so many questions on, if my dog dies, will he be in heaven? You know, and sometimes we're more concerned about what happens to our pets when they die than what happens to us. But we know if you've been with somebody who has passed or you're in those moments of near death or post death, you can feel something has changed. And it's not just the lack of breath. A spirit has left. The vital life source of a person has left. And it might not look any different on the outside. You can tell when somebody is hooked up to machines and there's ventilators pumping for them, but they're still there. They're maybe fully, you know, mechanized in how they're, they're staying alive, but they're still there. And you can feel it when they're not, yeah. even when the machines are still pumping. Something shifts. There is something beyond here. And we, are, we, we have to answer this sort of question. It really is about the worldview that we have. And the worldview that the Bible presents is a theological worldview like we talked last week. It's a historical worldview which says we can trace back what Jesus did for us. And it is an eternal worldview that says this world is something I'm just passing through. I have to answer this question. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 and 8 says, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident Yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. It means that there's something that happens when we leave this life where if we have said yes to Christ, not everybody, every single person gets the option. Every single person gets to say yes to God or no. But a yes to God means that he comes and he pays that price fully for our forgiveness. The, the, the price of sin is washed away and we become new in him. And we step into that eternal picture with him. And when we die, to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Luke 23, 43. This was the thief that, you know, he was, he was a bad guy. He knew he was a bad guy. We know because the other thief was taunting Jesus and saying, if you're really the king of the Jews, take yourself off the cross. And he said, how dare you talk to him like that? We're up here because we deserve it. But he did nothing. So this guy was well aware of his sin. Any of us who have come to Christ, we, nobody has to tell you that you've sinned, right? We all know. We all know when something's not right. We all know when we've done something wrong. So he didn't have time to repair his life. He didn't have time to get it right. He didn't have time to get baptized. He just said, this is the, this is the Christ. He knew it. And Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. We know that a yes to Jesus means something changes on the inside so quickly and so dynamically and so supernaturally that this man could say yes to Jesus and have his eternal future radically changed in a moment. 
We don't want to wait for these kind of moments. You've all heard Pastor Les's story. He actually tried to see how fast he could pray a prayer of forgiveness so that if anything happened, he could live rough and then he could get saved and get right with God before he died. And he decided to pray the forgiveness prayer in French because it was faster. But he, uh, I'm not even kidding. He left the room here. I'm telling Seven seconds. He could pray. He could pray the forgiveness prayer in seven seconds in French. But then he was at work one day and lightning struck just in front of him and he realized it was less than seven seconds and it nearly killed him and so he decided he better get right with God. Some of us are all counting on that deathbed salvation and really you don't always have that seven seconds. We need to get right with God now because there's an eternal picture that we get to be part of. It's so cool. Philippians 1, 21 to 23, the apostle Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. He was saying, as long as I'm here, I'm living with Jesus, I'm walking with him, and it's, it's indicating and it's, it's bearing fruit in my life, and I get to be here to help you with your walk with God. But man, if I can get out of here so I can be with Jesus face to face, I can't wait to get there. He was saying it was actually this pull. He, you know, he was staying for the sake. And, and sometimes, you know, if we've, if we've walked with somebody who's passing, and, and it's very important that when the time comes that we release them and bless them to go um, because sometimes people will fight to stay in their bodies they will fight to stay and so we get this impression from the apostle paul he had this choice to make man i could stay i could go both are good but it is far better to go i want to go what's interesting about this this moment in time in our world history when there's a threat of death on every front is how bad we want to stay it means that we don't understand what's on the other side when we go. We don't know how great it is on the other side. Not like everybody should be trying to get out of here, but what we have is a hope that what's ahead of us is always better than what we've got right now. What's ahead of us is this living hope that we just sang about. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 to 57. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and the mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. What does that mean? It means that, you know, death still has sorrow attached to it. It's going to, it's natural because we live in this world. And so many of us have lost various things and, and we're facing death even daily. We all have, we all have issues. We have people, um, some of our church family lost family members just this week. Death is not fun to go through. It is, it is a loss because we, we will miss that person. We grieve them going. We celebrate the life they live, but we're sad that we can't be with them right now. But something happens when you grasp the eternal that takes the sting out. When you go, okay, it's, it's actually not goodbye. It's see you soon. It's a hope on the other side. It's a, we know this is temporary and we're sorry that we're apart for a season, but we will see you on the other side. You know, we had um, a young lady that passed away this, this uh, 
past summer, but the year before she was dying and God gave her another year of life. But I remember we were praying with her and she was so, uh, so sick and so in and out of consciousness. And um, she kind of just passed out for a while. And I really thought this, this was the moment. She, her breathing changed and everything. And all of a sudden her eyes popped open and she had been in heaven. She'd seen it in her spirit. She had drifted and she came back and she started to cry because she didn't want to be here. What is ahead of us is so much better. When we have that, it helps us to live this life properly. 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 19, Paul said, if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they've just perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. The word pitiable literally means miserable. It means if I believe in God as something to get me through today, but I don't have an eye on the eternal picture, I actually live a miserable life. I, I am missing this source of joy, this thing that is ahead of me, this thing that's meant to, to energize me, to focus me, to empower me, this relationship with God that's not one here and one there, but it's a continual eternal relationship that we step into now. If we're only focused on this world, we are most pitiable. If we only focus on earthly things and we just invite God into earthly things, we are miserable. Isn't that interesting? Because Christianity is God himself. It means that many of the other things, many of the other uh, you know, religious type things, many of the other uh, issues that people press into as some sort of a spiritual relief, they actually make us more miserable than they make us better. The things of God, the eternal things of God, the risen Christ, actually gives us life. We step into that life and life abundantly. So who is Jesus from this point of what happens when we die? He is the one who has gone before us and he is waiting for us to join him when we pass. We also have the option of the second coming of Christ, which Pastor Les is gonna speak about next Sunday, which would be something we're all hoping for. I would love the, you know, popping up from, from a state here, but whatever the case, we have a hope in front of us. So the third question then that we're gonna ask, based on where is Jesus? He's in heaven right now, preparing a place for us. What happens to us when we die? We get the option of going to be with him. And how should my eternal reality change my earthly life? How should my eternal reality change my earthly life. This is a massive question, and this is what I believe is the heart of what God wants to speak to us this Easter. It's the idea that we don't just look forward to what's ahead, and we don't just celebrate what is right now, but we bring the two together, and we live in the fullness of what God's planned for us. There should be a victory in the Christ. If we are, if we are singing and we are celebrating that death has lost its sting and that sin has been conquered and defeated by the risen Christ and we've been made free in him, what does our life look like? There should be an outward product. And I believe God is calling his kids in this hour to walk in the fullness of it and part of it is answering this question. Many of us have heard the statement, think globally and act locally, right? Think globally 
Act locally. Every missions organization on the planet has picked up this phrase for sure. Every environmental group and people all around the world have picked up this think globally and act locally. Interestingly, the phrase itself comes from 1915 and didn't mean quite what it means today when we tag it onto a missions plan. And so literally, uh, uh, people just feel like this means now, and, it, and it's helpful that if we think about, you know, the, the issues of the world, we can do something here and now that will change the world. Totally true. But the initial intention of this was this man, Patrick Geddes, who spoke at first in 1915, was actually a, a Scottish uh, city planner and conservationist. And so his job was to come into cities and locations where stuff was like, you know, kind of dilapidated, things needed to be changed. They were, they were planning how to develop cities and he would come in and his job was to decide what's the best way to do this, what's the most effective thing to do. And so he had this system where he would come in and he would begin to look and, and evaluate not just, you know, is it profitable to, to rebuild a building or, you know, is it, is it financially sustainable? Is this worth doing? But he would look at the bigger picture. And so sometimes he would move into a city or in an area and he would say, you know, yes, we should knock down that building. It's not worth repairing, but we shouldn't rebuild on it. We should put a park there because there's enough people in this area and they need to have a green space. They need to have a place where they can find some peace and quiet. Or he would go in and he would decide that, you know, this place, no, we should rebuild it because it's going to bring hope to the community. He had this, this way of looking at the bigger picture. And so he said this, think globally and act locally. So he would pause on how does the world actually work? How does, the, how does the earth work? How do people function? What's the bigger picture of our responsibilities here on the earth? And then let's do that up close and personal and change the world. Let's change the big picture uh, for other people by pulling the big picture into a bite-sized piece that we can do here. And the same thing happens for us as believers. Do we think about, you know, eternity or do we think about our daily lives? Because a lot of people, I don't want to think about heaven right now. I don't have time. I mean, who has time to think about that? I'm thinking about how I'm paying the rent. I'm thinking about how I'm going to get through this, this work week. I'm thinking about how I'm not going to, you know, lose it in the next couple of days. I'm thinking about these basic things. I'm thinking about, you know, do I get the vaccine? Don't I get the vaccine? I'm thinking about, you know, what, how long is this going to take? I'm thinking about politics. I'm thinking about finances. I'm thinking, and, and, and sometimes we can't think about eternity, but there's other people who, you know, every, their answer to every earthly question is, well, you know, Maybe Jesus will come back today. That's not super helpful either. That's not a really good financial plan or, um, you know, retirement plan is maybe Jesus will come back before I get there. That's not, but, but the truth is eternity is meant to impact our here and now. And they come together. And when they're blended together, we actually have a life that functions. If we do not keep an eye on eternity, we end up making temporal decisions that bear eternal consequences. Let me give you that again. If we don't keep an eye on eternity, we end up making temporal decisions that bear eternal consequences. And I think we got a slide for that one. I must live today through the lens of eternity and the victory of Jesus Christ. It means that my, my today makes more sense through the lens of I know where I'm going when I die. 
That seems irrational to people sometimes, but it actually is the way that we are intended to work. We have this need to know what happens when I die, and if I know what happens when I die, and I've laid hold of what happens when I die, then it changes how I live. It's the freedom of the cross. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 to 57, again, we read it before. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a shift that happens on the inside of me when I say yes to Jesus. When I say yes to Christ, the sting of death is sin. The sting has been removed by the cross of Jesus Christ, by the victory of the empty tomb. So that sin thing doesn't get to hold me the same way it used to. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed for us day by day. Something is changing day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. See, the Apostle Paul is bringing together the what happens when I die and the what happens to me today. He's saying what's happening to me today is that the outward man is perishing. But the inward man is being changed daily. And it's tapping into the eternal. It's working for me a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well, we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. What this means is this, this concept of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, the concept of Jesus actually paying the price and, and being the answer to the prophetic word, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? It has been done. It has been accomplished. It has been finished. But there is a daily work in me that is meant to apply that because I am being prepared for my eternal home. And I've engaged it today. Something has started today. The day I say yes to Jesus, something starts in me that is eternal. So it's not like we live our lives here on the earth one way and then we live in heaven a different way. It's a progression that just keeps going. We have engaged eternal life here and now. So what does that mean? I want to just, I actually have an object lesson. This is heavier than the first one. <laughs> I had, um, Bob Rulassi had lent me some ropes from the morning and then afterwards he said, you should wash your hands. I think there's deer blood on them. So there's lamb blood on this though. Ha! All right. So this concept, this sin, the chains of death, these things that, that we were held to, the word tells us that sin has been uh, destroyed by the risen Christ, that there's been a victory over. So sin actually holds us captive. The word of God tells us that prior to Christ, we are enslaved 
in our chains. We are bound by them. Sin actually holds us. So I can try really hard to be free of it. I can try and I'm not doing it. I don't want to have any part of this. I don't want, I don't want to do that. And yet I do. And I sin and I fail and I disappoint myself and I disappoint others. And I can't believe this is happening again and again. And something on the inside of me knows that the wages of sin is death. I am suddenly afraid to die because I'm not a good person. I do things that are wrong and I'm disappointed in myself. And I know that I'm broken and I'm caught in this thing and Jesus comes and he says he knows that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and there has been this price that was hanging over our heads it's like a ransom you know if anybody's watched the old cowboy movies when there's a reward for you there's a price for your life. There is something that is owed because of who you are. And Jesus came and he paid the price and he canceled the written requirement that was against us. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we suddenly walk into this freedom and it's like, how did this happen? I, I didn't even do anything. No, you didn't. He paid it all. And it says he took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Something is done. And so we've been, we've been set free. We've been, set, we've been liberated. But what happens is that the sin is still rampant in the earth, right? It's everywhere around us. And so we'll have these moments where we're, we're walking by this sinful situation. And the temptation of the flesh is there. And we walk past it. Try and do this. You want to grab it on the other side? Please. Let's make sure the sin doesn't attack me. <laughs> we walk past it, and it calls out to us. And that's, that's what sin does. It's still on the earth, and, and particularly familiar things. The old bondages, you're walking past it. You're free of it, but you're walking past it, and it's calling, it's calling your name. Hey, remember that? Remember how, remember how fun that was? Remember how good it felt to just do that? Remember, remember, remember how much we, we experienced when you did that? And you walked past it, and, and you know what? You are free. When you come to Christ and you say yes to him, you are free. Yeah. End of story. But there are times when we have to be made free, and the truth that we know makes us free. It's not just the fact that there is truth. It's the truth that we know and we apply makes us free. And so maybe I am consistently going back down the same alleyway and I bump into that thing on repeat. And I, man, I, I must have, I must, it must have a hold on me. I'm, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe, maybe that didn't take. I, maybe I came to Jesus and it didn't work because I, I still feel drawn to this thing. And there's, I don't know why. I just, I kind of, and on a weekday, see when Satan was tempting Jesus, he left and said he'd come back at a more opportune time. Not opportune for him, opportune in the sense that Jesus was going to be weak in certain moments. And he said, I'll come back. I'll try again. And that's what he does. He waits for the weak moments. And so what happens is we can experience that pull of sin. And we, we walk past it. And every once in a while, something happens and we grab it. And we bite in. But here's the difference. I have it, it does not have me. So I have the freedom through Christ to at any moment take that thing and walk away. Freedom in Christ. 
It does not hold me any longer. I have to walk in the fullness of what Christ paid for me. Romans 6, 6 and 8, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I might occasionally slip. And when I do, I run back to the cross and I throw that thing at the foot of the cross and I walk away free once again. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Let me read that to you in the Amplified, or sorry, in the Message Bible. It's Galatians 2, 19 to 21. This is the journey of what the empty tomb is about. This is how we lay hold of the eternal and apply it to the temporal so that we walk in the freedom of Christ. We don't bow to that old, we're no longer enslaved by it. We cast it off. We cast off the works of the flesh. We cast off those places of addictions. We have to at times pause and go, how do I, if I keep walking down that same alley and that thing keeps calling up for me, how do I adjust my life so I'm not walking past it all the time? I need to make some changes. I need to do some stuff in the here and now because it's attached to my eternal destiny. Galatians 2, 19 to 21 in the message. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working, uh, working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I, catch this, I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. Is it not clear to you that to go back to that old rule-keeping, peer-pleasing religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God? I refuse to do that, to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule-keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. I have identified myself completely with him. My ego is no longer central. This is the concept of the eternal picture in the here and now. It's the crossover of what will be with what is so I can lock in the fullness of it today. It's that place of experiencing Christ the way he desires to be experienced every single day. It's the changing of, of how I see myself. I'm not a sinner. all like oh she is so not that perfect <laughs> I am a righteous blood-bought born-again set-free daughter of God who sometimes makes mistakes it doesn't hold me that's the gift of salvation by faith by grace we've been saved through faith not by works that any of us can boast. None of us gets it right. 
There is a massive decision that needs to be made for each one of us in the eternal picture. Do I say yes to God? Do I give my life to him? Do I believe that he existed? I'm confronted with who Jesus is. Do I believe he existed? Do I believe he died? Do I believe he rose again? And if so, what am I going to do with it? We talked about on Friday, all I can do is say yes. I can believe and I can receive. And he does the work of it. But I believe one of the lies that we see in the body of Christ is the after that part. The, oh man, I walked I walk past and I, 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 I was, oh, it was attractive to me today. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not worthy. You were never worthy on your own. The only thing that makes us worthy is Christ says we are worthy. So every time some little thing, it's temptation is set up to rob you of the eternal life that you are meant to live today. It is bait set up to destroy your confidence in Christ. I'm telling you, any one of us, it's not that we continue on sinning. It's that if we have been attacked by the accusations of the enemy, we have bit into the, the temptations of sin in some way. We have faltered in some way. We've not lived up to our own expectation. Today is a really good day to say, you know what? You have no hold on me. I have been made free. Who the Son makes free is free indeed, and that's my reality. I'm living in it today. I am not waiting to be free on the other side of eternity. I am stepping into eternity now. That is the gift of the empty tomb. That is the reality of who Jesus is right now. He is my savior today. He is my sanctifier. He is the lover of my soul. He's the one who walks me through today, the fullness of eternity now. I'm going to have the worship team come if you would. Our final question then, who is Jesus through the answer of how should eternity change my life. Who is Jesus? He's the one who liberates us from the clutches of sin and he gives us the victory. He gives us the victory. The one who has made it possible for us to engage eternity now. What we need to understand is if Jesus Christ has given us the victory, we get to choose what's in our hands. We get to hang on to the things of sin we get to hang on to the things of the flesh. We get to hang on to temptations and bondages and brokenness. Or we can grab on to the victory that he has given us. The eternity that he's given us. The reality is, if I run everything, you know, big picture. Think globally, act locally. Think eternally, act presently. It changes how I do things. I am not looking to finish my party years before I say yes to Christ. Because I have a reality that what is ahead of me is better than anything I've seen behind me. I'm not questioning whether it's reasonable to say yes to God, to serve in that area, or to, to, to do this thing, to do that thing. I don't, I don't consider, gee, is it, is it worth it to give up this addiction for Christ? Is it the eternal picture? I step into the fact that I am who God has made me to be. I'm walking through this messy here and now, but I do it successfully through the lens of eternity, through the, the heart of eternity in me. When the apostle Paul literally said, man, I, if I'm gonna stay, it's gonna be with Christ. I'm gonna do, if I have to be here, I am doing this every day with him. 
the thing is, there's this weird, weird idea that's out there. You know, if you get religion, you get boring. You, you just don't know if that's what you think. I will not forget his benefits. Yeah, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of everything. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is peace that calms every storm. It is comfort in every place of brokenness. It is wisdom when nothing makes sense. It's clarity and focus. It's a sense of, of urgency when I need to move and it's a sense of stillness when I need to be still. It's a place of being okay on the inside. It's the capacity to be able to love the completely unlovable, to forgive the unforgivable. To experience creation through the lens of the creator. To see our children raised up in joy and wholeness. To see our marriages healed and life-giving. To be in in workplaces and be the one people can't wait to see because you bring something with you. It's a happier place when you're there. It's hope for every single day. Psychology tells us if, if our hope is broken, we begin to physically die. Things start to shut down. Our brain shuts down our bodies. Is necessary. Christ, our living hope. I'm going to ask you this morning, just as we close today, if you would just close your eyes for a moment. We've had, we've had a lot of people get right with God in the last few weeks, and I believe today is one more piece of that. Some of us in this room today need to get right with God, and we need to say yes to Him. And maybe we felt like I'm just not worthy. I am so messed up. I am so broken. I'm so damaged. I don't think God wants me. Or I can't figure it all out. I've been trying to reason out what, you know, what faith is, what Christianity is. It's got to be received by faith. Some of us have walked away from God and we know it. Maybe nobody up close around you would tell you, but they can see it too. And there's this shift that you're feeling on the inside today that you know, maybe I just need to give God my yes. Maybe that phrase that the Apostle Paul said, I identify myself completely with him. My ego is no longer central. Man, that's a good phrase. So this morning, we want to give opportunity if that is you and you need to give that yes to God, either for the first time or you need to respond to him as a coming back. Today is a great day to do it. Easter Sunday. It's nothing better. This is the joy that was set before him. <laughs> yeah. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at Victory Church GP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.